personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader. And I started this podcast to have eclectic and impactful conversations about astrology, as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, I was joined again by my friend and collaborator, tarot teacher, practitioner, Chris Marmalejo of The Red Reed. We discussed the Ten of Cups and the Ten of Pentacles. And this was inspired by a lot of recent conversations over the last few months, I would say, of just really connecting with these cards, the both of us, in a variety of ways. So as a kind of invitation or entry point, um, I want to share, you know, who this episode, like how you can connect with this episode. One is that if you already have a tarot practice and you have a relationship with these cards, I need to say no more. If you are on the end of not really having a deep relationship with tarot, but you've been on this podcast or listening to this podcast for the astrology, then have heart because the 10 of cups and the 10 of pentacles, like all the tarot cards relate to certain astrological archetypes. So the 10 of cups relates to the third decan of Pisces. So that's the last 10 degrees of Pisces. So that would be relevant if you have any placements there, or you're just observing the sun transiting through the last third of Pisces. Uh, 10 of pentacles relates to the third decan or the last 10 degrees of Virgo. And then at a purely kind of like philosophical level, if you're not here with like immediate kind of associations or relationship with the cards, or you don't know about, you know, what planets you have and what degree, then the content or the topic of these cards is about this really deep, almost like ultimate fulfillment of the heart with the 10 of cups. Um, and then the 10 of pentacles is like a, a really profound and well-built, manifestation of something on the earth plane, like generational wealth, you know, having a legacy, um, is one way that we could look at the 10 of pentacles. And then from a forecast perspective, the full moon that's coming up on March 18th, 2022 is happening, um, with the sun in the third degree, the third decan of Pisces and the moon in the third decan of Virgo. So this conversation is also just symbolically relevant for this moment. And as we were talking, some of the gems that were coming up, were just like looking into what is it like to have this relationship with the, this ultimate kind of happiness or that deep dream, right. Or this really deep relationship with spirit, with source, with God. And then what is it like to live a life of value to in a manifest concrete way, have a life a way that you express yourself in the world, a way that you bring your talents or your gifts into the world around you. How do you manifest that in this very concrete 
visible, additive, generative way. So another thing I want to name an announcement that evolutionary astrology intensive that I teach is open for enrollment. We begin May 2nd and we're going through September this time. And this is a course to give you a personal, a deeply personal relationship with astrology, where we explore the archetypes, the planets, how to put everything together in a natal chart down to the the technical like evolutionary astrology chart analysis method using Pluto and the lunar nodes to source this narrative about where your soul is coming from along a multi-lifetime journey that, you know, your soul has this history and was drawn, resonated with, chose this life as this incarnation is a continuation of the earth PhD or the great work or the thing that your soul, you know, came here to do. And so evolutionary astrology becomes a tool for having gnosis or having contemplation about who we are as a soul and how we are bonded to this incarnation at a soul level, which is just a, a profound kind of meditation to be able to have the evolutionary astrology lineage, um, is a wisdom school. In my opinion, the, way that we get into the archetypes is to understand their depth underlying motivations and also to track our own relationship with these archetypes so that your vocabulary or your archetypal eye, the way that you can recognize these archetypes feels integrated and feels connected to your actual experience. And it is a embodied practice for you. This is an all levels program. I welcome seasoned astrologers, people that maybe have a different branch of astrology that they're familiar with, as well as newcomers, as well as people that, you know, love learning about astrology, um, but, you know, want to take it to the next level where you feel like you have your own deep connection to the practice. I designed this course to be an offering that unfolds and, gives you like keeps giving to you throughout your whole life because it's a, it's a starting point. It's a deep opening. It's a portal. And then from there, as you have that, you know, groundwork or that foundation, you can just endlessly expand from there as we do as astrologers, where we're initiated into being on the path. Um, and then we just keep learning because we love it and we never want to stop. So if you are interested in studying astrology with me, you know, I'll also say that the content of the course is pre-recorded, but then we have live calls every week to talk about the content and get to know each other. And I make myself really available for, um, not just discussion in class, but answering your questions, um, and connecting with you. So if you're wanting to learn astrology in a really social, enriching environment and you resonate with the content that I share in the forecast or this podcast, um, that's a pretty good indicator that you would love the content of the course um, and enjoy going deeper with me as a guide. So you can learn more about this course, read student testimonials and enroll through the link that I'm leaving in the notes. The other thing that I want to say is that, um, as I was listening back to this conversation 
Um, my sound quality, like Chris is great. My sound quality was not so good. And I apologize for that. It was definitely not worth scrapping the conversation because the conversation was great, but I will be making an effort to improve my sound quality. And I, I know what mistake I made on my end technically, and that I can improve it. And if it's not, you know, leading up to a Virgo new moon (laughs) to have these moments of feeling I've made error and I will fix it, you know, but in this case, it cannot be fixed for this episode, um, you know, without maybe like extreme measures or like hiring someone or something like that. But um, for future episodes, I will I will do better. <laughs> and I, no one's even complained. I, you all are very gracious, and um, I appreciate that um, that no one really seems to take issue with the sound quality on this podcast. But it is something that I would like to improve and. What else? Um, I am giving in-person astrology readings now in Portland at Anthea Tea House. So in addition to leaving the link for my online bookings, which are open, I am giving astrology readings online anywhere in the world. But if you are in Portland or you are passing through, you can get a reading with me at the beautiful and enchanting Anthea Tea House. Um and we can meet face to face. So I will leave the link for that in the notes as well and get us into this wonderful conversation with Chris Marmalejo. Welcome everyone. I'm here with Chris Marmalejo of The Red Read. So excited to have you back again. It's such an honor to be back. I love it. Anytime I get the chance, it's like I'm all up for it. It is so fun talking to you and just traveling in terms of like just this archetypal language and the weavings between tarot and astrology. Um, To start out, would you tell the audience a little bit about your practice um, and maybe part of your astrology that you've been connecting with lately? Absolutely. yeah, so I'm I'm Chris. I've been on the show before. I'm um, the one behind the Red Read, and really my practice is centered on decolonizing divination and like decolonizing through divination as well, like in one and the same. Um, and so, sort of being an English teacher has was that was the focus in order to employ literacy in the means of liberation. And in that pursuit, that journey has taken me to being able to read the stars and read the cards and read the soul. Um, and so, you know, I'm in session teaching my tarot class right now. It's also open for enrollment, but I've been, it's been such a joy to be able to like connect with students and with peers in opening their charts and like using the cards in their decan decanic associations um, as these really visceral images to become vehicles for transformation and like really have different entryways into the chart in um in ways that bridge both the astrologer and the tarot reader and sort of like give a different entryway than um is more standard i think yeah this has been like adding in the tarot um and the decanic associations has opened up my chart in so many new ways of just adding these other layers to signatures I've been contemplating for a decade, if not longer. Um, and it's been like mind blowing and so opening. And I really love the way that you teach tarot 
creates such a conversation and such a friendship and such a communion with all of the cards and their like resident spirit energy, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. and so uh, I'm just continuing to kind of experience the harvest of having studied with you. Oh, oh my goodness. That's amazing. Oh, thank you. I feel the same. I feel the same. Absolutely. So we're talking about 10 of cups and 10 of pentacles today. I feel like just in the last, um, I don't know how long it's been, maybe more than a month or so, like these cards have been in conversation between us and I've had a huge experience with 10 of cups in an ongoing lifelong way, but in a self-aware way more recently. Um, And I just feel like we've been really like loving these cards and we're inspired to share an episode about these cards. I feel like, um, this can add more depth to people's reads of these cards, you know, and also like open up a portal and invitation to these really specific contemplations that come through these energies. Mm. And as we will talk later, like the, their timing as well, like them as windows for the times of the year, like parts of your chart. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Cause this full moon, um, that's coming up our Virgo full moon. Um, I should have the date out. <laughs> I'll look it up later, but the Virgo full moon that's coming up. 18th. 18th? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is going to be in the decans associated with the 10 of cups for the Pisces sun and the 10 of pentacles for the Virgo moon. So we'll talk about that at the end. Um, and just start with exploring these cards. And um, I'm drawn to start with the the Ten of Cups because of, you know, we're in Pisces season right now. Um, would you tell us about, you know, just what's on this card from a, an artistic, like, visual standpoint? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the, the Ten of Cups from... Um, the Smith weight deck, you know, giving all credit always to the goat, <laughs> Pamela Coleman Smith, um, who was really such a genius in depicting the artwork, which lays the foundation for so many decks now that we see that riff off of this imagery. And so what we see is typically like, you know, the happy family card. There's thought to be a man and a wife or these two partners with our arms open up. Um, the man is dressed in red and she has like this long flowing blue kind of gown on as well as like these two children in similarly red and blue, um, blue clothing, holding hands and like sort of spinning around, like doing a little dance and like skipping in a circle. And there's a river flowing before them. to their home, very green, fertile fields. Um, and above them most prominently, right. Which is what they are praising and almost like opening as well with their arms, with their hearts, with their union is the rainbow is this really beautiful golden rainbow with 10 golden chalices, like in between the rainbow or like in the rainbow, um, and with the Roman numeral 10 above, and it's a really clear blue sky and it's a really warm, um, welcoming, inviting card. I think everyone is just like if you were to pull this card, you're like, oh my goodness, <laughs> touched immediately. <laughs> I love the way that you describe the cards. Um, I'm looking at it and also having that just opening of considering that rainbow as an emanation or reflection of their open arms as well, um, as something that they're greeting. Um, how have you felt connected to this card? Like what kind of um 
how does it touch you? Mm. Well, and yeah, and definitely I've deepened my relationship to the card during Pisces season. Seeing it as is one of the cards is the end of the zodiac. It's the last card of the zodiac wheel before it starts again in Aries season in the Two of Wands. Um, and so I see it as this ultimate Martian goal. You know, it is Mars in Pisces. And there is a sense, I mean, you know, Austin Coppock calls it like a cup of blood, right? And I sort of refer to this card of related to this card is the promised land, the place where we are striving and making blood sacrifices and like putting our life on the line for a certain type of um, like a, an ideal, uh, not a possession, but a state of arrival, a homecoming of sorts that is worth all the effort, um, a state of union that is able to be perceived and like really nourishing to not only the spiritual self, but the material world and like the material conditions we live in. And so really as a promised land, I see like, you know, I teach this card also as like a queer, like the queer promised land, like the, the queer family, like the chosen family card, um, the, the home that we make from intention and action aligned with our innermost truths. That's beautiful. I am, I've been having this opening with this card because I have um, my Mercury Venus conjunction in 29 degrees of Pisces and it squares my nodes. And that signature alone has been my life quest. Like I've thought about that signature for years and have, you know, learned the methodology that the squared planets resolve through a certain node. So I've been working with the, um, Capricorn, it's an out of sign square of like late Pisces, and then my nodes are an early Cancer Cap. And so, this Ten of Cups situation is the impasse of my life from a karmic perspective. And when I was able to, like, you know, I've had many different iterations of contemplating this, um, the ways that it's been reflected to me by other people, other astrologers, the way that I've intuited it and experienced it. But thinking about um, this relationship with ultimate happiness and the ways that I, from like a way that I would read my own chart, it's like my ego personality nodal axis is just trying to integrate this list that's represented by the Ten of Cups. And I've had um, these really big loves in my life. And some of them were existential crises um, when they ended. Because I felt like I went to this like bliss or paradise place and I did not understand like how to integrate those types of losses and would have this fear of like, I'll never be happy like that again. And this really intense kind of mourning attached to it. And going through my Saturn return, there's been a major stabilization and a way of as I came to recognize that the 10 of cups, which I already have tattooed on my body and did not even make, you know, I got it tattooed because I, I did a reading where I was asking spirit. Like I was really like in this on my knees moment of just like feeling like devastated at a heart level. And I'm like, is it ever going to work out for me? And I was like asking for clarity about past situations. And the 10 of cups came up in a reading and I saw the rainbow band of cups and like read the description of it. And it spoke of like a promise from God. And I felt this 
immense sense of faith and trust in life wash over me of like the love that I seek is here. Like I don't have to worry about it. And as I've been further integrating this card, it's been a reflection on these special states of happiness in the heart and where in my mind I've attached them to certain circumstances and frozen them in certain circumstances, as opposed to almost like this inherent birthright of feeling a 10 of cups experience in the mundane or in moment to moment situations. And so as I've been unfolding and relating to this card more, it's like, how can this profound sense of bliss and communion and like connection to all of life be integrated in a daily way, despite, you know, or like not attached to a particular person or special circumstance that I long for, even though my nature is to continue that longing. Mm, it's, I love that. Well, that you brought up, well, you're just, it's how profound that you knew and yet didn't know at the same time, like how deep, like you may, it was already like the personal connection just like doubled down or like was relayed over, clarified or smoothed over with that conscious, um, recognition of the card as like, you're squaring, like the, like the planet squaring your nodes. And this card is very much a, like, I mean, this one, especially obviously all the cards, but like such a karma card and in some depictions and some decks, it's Parvati's union with Shiva for all of her, um, all of her striving, all of her spiritual merit and all of the work, like to be so sort of be granted the destiny and like bestowed it very early on that she would be wedded with the divine that she was meant for a sacred union. And it's like, I have no idea how I am going to ready my vessel for, for this state. But in the 10 of cups, we see the the marriage, like we see the second union of like psyche and arrows, not the unconscious one where it's like, Oh, I didn't realize I was like in for marrying God. Now it's like, Oh, I'm, I've been elevated to this state of divinity that there's now a new Godhead. There's now um, a joining together that is a result of a clearing of karma of a breaking of like, as you were saying, like, which, I, which can get stuck, right? I feel like karma is about the places we feel knotted or stuck or keep repeating these loops and instead being able to let that go and like flow freely as the river does in the car or as like the rainbow does and the kids are just like twirling and dancing. And it's so this ephemeral moment, but that is a commentary on our life, on like the briefness of our, of our mortality, our corporeality. Um, and yet being able to witness like the infinity at once within that corporeality, within that time span. And so just the fact that it's like, that is also just a reiterated theme in your own birth chart is like magnificent. I love this, that it's a union with God that's like predestined. And then, you know, it's happening and you're preparing yourself for it. I, I can relate to that sense of feeling like something big has to be coming. You know, I felt that way my whole life. And then there's just these reveals and reveals. And then, you know, thinking about this concept of ultimate happiness and like the pursuit of ultimate happiness and Mars and Pisces as well. And the marriage with God and the sense, I think of Mars and Pisces as the union of the personal will with the divine will. And that that's a recipe for happiness. There's a way that that um, 
Like I remember when I first started to, when I learned that concept and I started to apply it and felt like, do I really want what God wants for me? Like, do I want to like, let go of, you know, and it started to just kind of become a trust that if I form this prayer and like ask for my personal will to be merged with the divine will, there's, you know, learning how to integrate that and embody that, but it didn't become, you know, living this life of martyrdom or sacrifice where I'm like unhappy. It's like actually been like a swelling, profound, synchronistic, magical, magical beyond my imagination kind of happiness that is the portal of that type of prayer. Um, there's something about it that I think, you know, on the other end too, when I think about Mars in relationship to happiness, I've been just reflecting on, you know, these big loves that I had and like how I know, I know the feeling state of tragedy, like, and when I was going through these tragic experiences earlier in my life, I, I had the sense from spirit and from my access to divination at the time that everything was working out and that this was part of my path. But I, at the moment felt devastated or kind of betrayed by the universe of like, why this level of suffering? And then as time went on and I felt myself being like my cup being filled in the places it had been emptied, it was profoundly renewing and almost like going through hardship or loss gave me a kind of humility that could allow me to more deeply appreciate um, and also to kind of like be confronted with my karmic knots and like the most, you know, intense dramas of my soul <laughs> in this very visceral, like lived out way so that I could work with it. Um, but at a personality level, that was whack for a minute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Right. Wow. I just hear the card. Like, like I love the card in the chart speaking through you like so so much like it's lighting me up you're making my heart like beat so steady and so strong um this definitely the aligning of the personal will with the divine will is such a struggle and such a grace but so like it's it's such a karmic release like it's such a it's such a burning through karma mars right in this sense um yeah, that's what I was thinking as well. And that's like sort of what I pray for as well is to like wh whatever logos or logic that I think I have around about the direction my life should take or the form that the divine, that the lover, that the union will take, that this space of arrival and happiness and fulfillment um, take, like I can get fixated on a specific form and then, and then reject what actually needs to flow in and and like from my own lack of knowing like you know the divine has so much greater sight and awareness of all the moving parts and like the thing that will bring true satiation true fulfillment and so to sort of get out of my own way and and make space for the other is i think a big journey of the cups and of the ten of cups um the 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 major sort of parents as i you know if I offer a tens, a tens course. It'll eventually be like a full on deck in class, like part, like live class. But um, the major associations with the cards, I think of them as parents and like the, the minor is a little offspring child of them. Anyhow, it's Mars in Pisces, right? And so that is the tower and the moon card. And wow, you, wait, I didn't know this. I'm about to be like 
<laughs> mind blown for days. Power, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like here. <laughs> um, so so the I mean, just what you're saying about the devastation, I was thinking of it like as you were speaking about. I I did know this, but it's the kind of thing where I'm still assimilating the language of tarot. So it, it takes moments for it to like click into memory like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember first like connecting with the, just even knowing the deck and assist, like before I even understood the order of them, just knowing that the cards had astrological associations and meeting people who were like, Oh, that's so-and-so and and this, that's like this. And And I was like, how, how, but it, it really becomes like secondhand, like at a certain point. Um, but, but yes, but so, so Mars, you know, being the tower and people, a lot of people obviously are scared of that card as well as the moon. Like these are two of the more frightening, disorienting cards, like most disorienting cards, probably of, um, the major journey. And so I'll talk about <laughs> the tower first in this sense. Um, and I really love it because like in, in, Austin Coppock's lore, he speaks about like Indra and like the net and like the whole journey of this particular Pisces deck. And, um, and so in that story, I think it's just a, such a great reference to Indra in that like the chaos demon was causing this great drought, even to the heavens, like even the gods were in a state of suffering in a state of like with being without. And I think that is to what you're saying of this longing or this hunger, or this sense of where is my love, right? Like, where is my fulfillment? Where is my part? Like I, this was bestowed upon me. Where are you though? Right? Like what, what's the deal here? Um, and it's right. Like cities and cities of the dead. Um, like again, like, you know, it's written that like even the capital city of the gods, the pivotal center of the world was in ruin, ruin until the vanquisher of demons, Indra was above the Vedic Aryan God Supreme flung into the midst of the monstrous coils a thunderbolt that shattered the demon entirely. The waters burst free and streamed in ribbons over the land to circulate once again, the body of the world. And wow, right? Like what a brilliant sense of liberation to the tower. And then the moon, which is Pisces, um, which we see, you know, the fish drinking the, the waters poured out by Aquarius and the star and becoming fertilized with spirit. And we journey into the moon card to find our center. That's like the, the whole labyrinth in, in a whole, like that's just Pisces. And we're going beyond time. We're going to that. And the moon card is very much referenced as chaos, like where we don't perceive the order. And it's very like, be careful where you're walking because you can be led astray and you can go to artificial light or become a drunk or become um, shipwrecked, you know, on your journey to source. And so it's this really treacherous path, but like there is a state of reaching immortality um, on that path that the moon card is like this preserver of that image immortality and being the goddess and, you know, the whole procession of the equinoxes, which led all the solar gods to the, the death and rebirth karmic cycle. But the goddess is immortal. Like she's like, you come in and out of me, baby. <laughs> right. Um, and I see in like, in knowing that like this union of, freeing the withholding of God and like the water that nourishes spirit and body and land, right. That brings fruit to the earth. Um, as well as this, this concept and quality of immortality amidst confusion then gives us a different vantage point into the 10 of cups where they're perceiving, they're like praising, like, thank you God, because now it's raining again. And that rainbow is the, 
the quality of that, like is the evidence of um, both form and formless God at once. They're like, oh my God, like, look at, like after a long, long drought, they're like, it's finally rain. Like here's a rainbow in the, in the blessing that has been bestowed again onto the land. And I just, I just love that with the 10 cups. <laughs> wow. Oh my God. Okay. So I feel like that experience of just contemplating the tower and the moon together and that like the shock of the tower, like the breaking of forms or old forms and that kind of crisis, like lightning striking energy, plus like the liminality of the moon um, that just, yeah, puts so much into context when I think about the ways that it has felt disorienting, you know, I think people may have their place in life where they experience like confusion or the mystery, like very pertinently. Um, Something for me, like when it comes to like my work, like I feel a lot of clarity and a sense of like clarity with my purpose. Um, School, like I, I just kind of went through school and like, college like it, there was at ease in some sense but with romance that has been very confronting for me at a soul level to have these mind-blowing like synchronicities related to important karmic connections that just kind of shook my sense of reality and like opened me to the magical realm because there was this aura of mystique and like something beyond the known happening through the portal of relationship, but then also just like having these super big experiences and getting washed out, like not having discernment at earlier times in life and feeling the chemistry or feeling the magic, you know, but there being some glaring dysfunction or red flag and being, you know, ignoring it because of the magic. And then you know, having a tower moment with that red flag that I had ignored or the series of red flags I ignored um, or genuinely being surprised and shocked by flags I didn't notice kind of thing. And it hasn't, um, it hasn't ever brought me to a place of not believing in love. Like it's always just been like, let me figure this out. (laughs) Like taking the kind of uh, like strokes from the universe um, and refining from there. Um, but it's also, you know, my experience of intimacy and connection has continued to evolve where the places that, you know, I once lacked discernment or once was naive, like I have more maturity or more awareness and my experiences continue to deepen and just be that kind of rainbow experience as they show up. And it's, it's so faith restoring considering the journey that I've gone through to get to that place and the ways I still feel like I'm on the journey too, of just, um, not, not in the same kind of Martian strife as I was earlier in my life, but a kind of, what do I get to do? Like, how do I get to live in this state of like love, um, in this state of perpetual arrival? where I'm living less in the state of striving and more in the state of celebration and creativity and generativity. Um, not and like crisis. More reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, sense, yeah. Just beauty in life itself. And like enjoyment of your flesh and of 
blood flowing through the body and yeah. all of the ways, you know, and I, and like, um, from the nine to the 10 of cups, I think is where we make that distinction of like, are we going to return? You know, there's like writing as well in the night about like the net of gems and being like, I got to this, like I'm in the moon, in the mystic space. Like, will I renounce the world? And will I just like exist in the ether and the like all pervasive nothingness of God and just like be, and that's it. Like, sorry, everyone. And I feel like the 10 of cups is like this martial quality of sacrifice as well, where it's like figuring out as you're describing, like, as you say, like how to integrate and like sort of bring God back, bring water back to the land and then share it with your loved ones and um, you know, maybe like, this is just that beautiful moment where yes, like the sun parts through the clouds and it has just rained and, you know, you're able to see both the goddess and the God joined at once. And maybe tomorrow, you know, it might be really hot or it might be really windy or like raining again, you know what I mean? Like who knows, but these moments where when praise is before you or like beauty, um, and glory, is before you, you soak it in, you receive it, you open your arms to it. And I think that is the blessing of the tower where we want to hold on to something and it would be our downfall, like this addiction, this fixation on a pleasure that becomes like outside of God and the divine disruption, it will, will force that from our hands in order to allow us to receive what it is we are meant to receive. Um, and so I heard you sort of describing that moon, like, oh, I thought it was this and the like this mystic and this magic. But I think as well, like both of those cards, right? It's night, it's dark. And if we're on this seeker's path, we're moving through the unknown. The um, We're searching for light in the absence of the sun. And what greater display of that than lightning, right? Than this lightning bolt, thunderbolt, like, oh, show me, like, okay, now I have like a clear, I was, I've, I've been awakened, even though it's still night. And, um, and then persisting onwards and like, just, yes, being able to integrate into the more mundane moments of bliss that are like rec- being able to recognize the mundane as mysterious and, um, miraculous, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I did have this vision that you're reminding me of when you speak of the kind of like getting fixated on something and the universe taking that away so that you can come back into greater receptivity. And it was when I was mourning a relationship that I just felt like I really did not want to lose. And I was not in, not in acceptance at all of the relationship having ended and in this like moment of pain, like I just spontaneously was given a vision of this generator that was like a universal, it was source essentially. And the main generator had links to every being. And then beings could also form links to each other. But in the forming of links to each other, if they forgot their main link to the generator, they would kind of crumble and fall off the generator and be like, they would lose their connection through getting too distracted by each other. And it was interesting because it's like, I didn't mentally conjure that. It just came through and it was like the universe showing me like, Hey, like you got very washed up. (laughs) Like you thought that the universe was this person and that's why you're suffering so intensely right now. And even though I knew that it took me a while to integrate that, um, but it delivered, you know, in the the kind of like integration of moving on from that relationship. 
I received so much more, um, a whole like new set of community grad school experience, like new friends, like just all these openings that after some years went by, I could see like, wow, this, the loss also washed me to another shore that was so much more abundant than I could have seen in that original tower moment of impact. Mm, wow. What a vision. My goodness. That's like giving me chills. Um, <laughs> like literally move, like the Pisces just came through so strong. Like here's the source, you know, and that is that well that I think you're speaking of like that, just all of these connections and, and chords are arise out of. Um, and like, I think what's so beautiful about the the family, if you will, joined in the 10 of cups is that they're joined in God you know, not to sound too biblical with it or anything, but like, truly, like <laughs> this episode is like, we're talking so much about God. There's a part of me that's like, wait, I don't normally talk this way, but it's true. It's interesting. Cause there's like such a, um, Pisces has the capacity for zealotry, but mm-hmm. at the same time, I feel like a deep, deeper spiritual awareness. It's like, God, God is source is, and how do we relate to that source? And when on a spiritual path of any kind, I think that the lessons and the disillusionments about getting too attached to certain fixations within material reality, it's like, I'm not about abandoning or denying the material realm at all. Like I'm here to be in human form and have these experiences. But if I lose the sense of context, that's not a good place for me. Um, because I do have a connection to the divine inherently. And if I misplace it onto something that is not big enough, like a circumstance, a person is not the whole universe. And to project source onto something so limited is a equation for grief. Mm. It's just not like, it's not being practical at this point, <laughs> but to come back into like this deeper relationship with the universe, it becomes generative where it's like being truly in relationship with the source and then getting to enjoy all the emanations and particulars and forms of source, um, as they ebb and flow mm. in and out of form as they do, because they're not eternal things. Mm. Wow. And that's, and that's so, that's so the 10 of cups, like it's the Kundalini Shakti card, you know, it's like this really big, I mean, the minors are, are almost more secreted than the majors. Like everyone points to the majors and like all the codes and the, the mysteries of the majors. And, and yes, the minors are mundane, but like when you piece them together and in this way, they, they, they have so much in them as well. Um, and so that red and that blue, like the form and the formless, like the drifting in and out and, and the ability to channel this divine current of pleasure within the body. But that again, like to activate the Kundalini requires so much root work being cleared and so much security and so much like anchoring, um, in, in spirit, right. And like in, not in the material, not in a particular context or circumstance that then makes us a conditional lover. And instead into this unconditional quality, like I am with source at all times with the shifting forms as my body changes as those two young children, like they're going to grow up there. They may go off separate ways, but like they still have that innate union within them. 
and then we'll arrive again to to that or just keep arriving at this state of union um mm-hmm. yeah. wow so even though I can talk about the Ten of Cups forever, <laughs> I want to bring in the Ten of Pentacles and um, same thing, just see, you know, ask you to describe the card from a visual standpoint. Yes. Um, all right. So there are these beautiful, just, you know, 10 golden medallions in like the Tree of Life arrangement, um, sort of in the in the foreground if you will and like beneath that right is this archway where we see uh a couple in red and blue again and like they're they've got like a little baby sort of peeking behind the woman in red um petting a dog who and these two white dogs who are going towards this uh who have like they're fixated you know it seems like they recognize a master in this elderly man who has like this really rich, lavish, um, you know, green and gold and red cloak, um, maybe like, uh, what does Andre Leon Talley wear? The, the ta- caftanes, you know, like maybe it's like a, a custom design caftan cause we're in the pentacles. Um, there's like green and, you know, flourishing grapes like in the foreground as well. Um, and he's sort of just off into a distance. Like there's definitely a sense of transition. Um, the, this young family seems to be part of his legacy or his community or his heirs and are crossing the threshold. So there's definitely like this hinting out of veil, but in a more material manner with the archway. Um, yeah. So how do you relate to this card? And I know that it's been coming up a lot for you. Um, like I've been hearing you talk about it. So what's inspiring you about this card currently? I mean, obviously like being in spaces with you, for instance, and one of like, probably one of the most prominent ways being in, um, communal spaces where it is, there's an equal recognition of each other's worth. That is an additive experience. And so like, I'm talking about meteorite where are your intensive, which was, just so mind blowing. And like, um, in particular, the chart sharing where, um, you know, we'd share our charts and then, and we'd like surface this, this pentacle, this gold coin, we're like, look at the value of this birth chart. Like even the, you know, thinking of the, the birth chart as a pentacle. Um, and then everyone adding on top of it and just going around and like adding and adding and like just pouring into it in that way. Um, I'm thinking about my class as well, where it's a very much the same experience. It's like a very communal experience of value and an exchange of value um, where you're just sort of mind blown that like all of these badass people are in the same space. Like there's not this one who is just like bestowing upon the other, all of their wisdom. And we're all just like, so in deficit in need impoverished and like, just so lucky to glean, you know, the glory of their knowledge. No, it's like, we're all wise here. Like we all have our lived experience. We all have our bodies of knowledge that um, become a greater than like greater in their composite. Right. Um, yes. And so it's been, it's been glorious. And like, it just feels it's an invitation or like it gives me permission to take up space and to like offer my wisdom and not feel a weird way about it in terms of like, am I doing too much or am I enough kind of 
that back and forth whole thing about security, right? And instead, um, I'm inspired by the way others are inspired by my sharing. And like, this is just ripple effect around where we're like, all oh, like, oh my, it's just this real generative, like in a very concrete way where you walk away so filled. Um, so that's one of the, like, that's probably the most primary way. I have another, well, I'm sure we'll get to it, but yeah. So let's... I really like that because I feel like the pentacles, maybe the first kind of entrance into them is thinking about materiality or like resources or, you know, just something that is concrete and like you're touching it kind of way, but thinking about self-esteem and self-worth and like additive experiences and like mutually enhancing experiences as a resource, like as a pentacle experience um, is just really opening. And I love the way that you're talking about that experience of class because it, it vivifies and like reinforces my own kind of experience. And I feel like that, um, that image of the birth chart as a pentacle. And I mean, on Astro Gold, it's literally like gold in color too. Uh, And just that idea of like everyone in the room is this walking embodiment of a moment in time. And they have with them the wealth, the gifts that their natal chart speaks to. And in the space of um, inquiring into that and speaking this language, we all like awaken into that you know, like we're fine wines over here. <laughs> we know Those grapes the are on the card for a reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's something artisanal about our existence when we know like the arrangement of the cosmos at the moment we were born. And it's interesting too, because when I learn people's charts, I think that sometimes people, um, at the beginning stages of astrology, if they're bringing certain conditionings into it or mindsets or whatever, there can be a way of, you know, looking into the chart for what's wrong with oneself or like sinistry, like what should I watch out for about this person or how can I like, you know, and that isn't additive at all, but like there's a certain level, I feel like, And I have this experience of when I get to know someone's chart, it makes me love them more. I'm like in awe because I can feel the universe speaking through them. And I'm learning about the universe through them. And there's something about that, like even just the individual natal chart plus a person becomes additive because the two can inform the other in some sense. Absolutely. You're making, as you're speaking, you're definitely making me think of just my background in training as an educator, which um, I think about as well, like uh, transferable skill and value. And so like when I began studying astrology and like tarot and deepening into that work, there was this moment where um, I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm starting at zero again, like from a place of, of impoverishment. And that was not, and that's not true, obviously, because And that's sort of what my work is dedicated to in terms of being able to expand people's perception of how to read where they've already been, the things that they've already been invested into and see how that translates into the astrological craft or the divinatory craft. Um, But as educators, especially within positions of power, and I, I see this as well with practitioners, like I just had a student last week tell me about a reading they got, which was so demoralizing, which told them that they had no 
meet like they should just basically give up like they because it's just what was in their chart like oh man sorry for you like that's your karma like you're just sol like this is not in the cards for you and that is a deficit-based approach that's a deficit model and we see that in in institutions, which this card is definitely speaking about the ingrained power and worth, like where where value has been invested historically, institutionally in the Ten of Pentacles, um, where teachers will look at students of a certain population, parents who maybe didn't go to college, whatever the case is, and, and pity them or victimize them and like perpetuate this lacking of resource. Um, and instead, right, like as I was taught and as I do in my classrooms, like finding a strength-based approach where we're able to recognize their resiliency, their gifts, their um, adaptability, and like their, um, their unique gifts that are not recognized within the dominant model and like uplift that own self-reflection to them. And then it'd be, and it's of course, so generative, like culture arises on the margins. You know what I mean? Like culture is like a force of inventiveness from necessity. And that is in its own sort of 10 of cups, like depth of spirit. Like you may not materially recognize what I are validate, like from the, it may not be validated from the institutions or historically or what have you, the value I've, I have from my own journey, but like, I know it's there and I'm going to uplift that and bring that forward. Um, and so to sort of cultivate these spaces, I think is of, of mutual recognition of a type of, um, I always like, this is like my potluck card where you go and you bring a plate, right. And you don't just get back what you, what you brought in. Like, you don't, it's not a one-to-one exchange. You go and you get tenfold back, right. Your only invitation is to bring your offering and then allow yourself to receive like an overflow in, re- in response. Wow. This is, I love thinking about this in relationship with the 10 of cups too, where like the 10 of cups feels like a sentiment, uh, a feeling, a relationship. And then the pentacles are very, you know, it's very concrete. And to think about living a value-driven life, like I really, um, I think about this a lot because there's a, a transformation, I think, that occurs, like if we're living in that deficit state, or, um, you know, I feel social media is a really good example of this because you can have a presence on social media and offer some value to the space. You can create something, you can create education. And um, there, there's also the attitude of like being on the sidelines and like critiquing social media and thinking that it's bad and just like not, you know not offering value to the space and simply critiquing it or like actively coming into the space to antagonize other people or have debates. And that's not, that's not additive in my opinion. And so it reinforces, you know, when people have that approach to life where they are maybe forming social connections out of like gossiping or, you know, just these things that are creating value, they don't get to have this like, 10 of pentacles like experience because that it's like coming to the potluck and not bringing something but people can like eat at a potluck if you don't bring something but there's a difference i suppose even at a self-esteem level if you like you know make your favorite recipe and you have this like sense of esteem in it and you get to see other people enjoying it and people are coming up to you and just being like that was so good and like just reflecting your value because you brought something into the space um and i think 
it's just interesting to think about how how embodied it must be to offer value because it's not just about extracting our labor and like working ourselves to do something. It there's a, a quality of like what's actually our offering. Mm, wow. Absolutely. I, I love that you brought in the that that just embodied quality to offering. And it's like, you know, if you're cooking a meal while you're like, it's like, there's so many stories about that, right? Like if you're angry or like heartbroken or what have you, like, and the people who eat that meal are then going to be sad or like angry or get sick, even from like the energy we infuse to like our actual offering. And we don't want to do that. Obviously, like, you know, you want people to be like, who, who made this? Like who cooked, who brought the salad, the potato salad, you know, or who, who brought the pie? Like who, what, like it somehow turned out green, but everyone's still going to have a slice of it because like, it's delicious. Right. Like, <laughs> like they're that different, um, pouring of like love into the offering and like it being you in the offering as well is, uh, and it's sort of mirroring, I think that 10 of cups quality or like the whole discussion of like, um, being willing to give oneself over to in order to receive, like to make space for that. And like after another, this card was coming up as well. I think like I, we had the, like maybe the last intensive class, Michael J. Morris and others hosted like the ecology of like eroticism and embodiment, like from an astrological perspective as well. Like Ari uh, Felix had her anarchy of love presentation. And I was just like, and then I had my own class and I, I mean, it's all of these communal spaces. And I was just going from like, I just felt like a river pouring downstream or something like in just different brooks and pools and pools. And it was just like flowing. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, we are so resourced as a community. Like there's so many within the astrological, like divinity, divinatory community who has so much to offer and to be able to partake of them does require that own um, sense of self-worth, like knowing you can take a plate, like you can get seconds if you want, like, you know, because yeah. you're, yeah, you a sense are, of, yeah. of self-worth. And I think also celebration of other, because, um, this fruitfulness, I think there's a, a sense of goodwill and curiosity that is exchanged. And something that I love about being a professional in this field is that there's people that it's like we're mutually aware of each other's existence for some time before we really speak or drop in. And then we'll be like, I love this thing that you created. Or like we find what we mutually appreciate in each other and we recognize in each other that, you know, the labor and the devotion and the discipline that goes into this kind of life. And so there's a mutual um, friendship. And then on the other hand, there are, there can be people in the community that have a smug or a kind of like holier than thou approach and um, <clears throat> don't pursue that kind of like friendship and are still carrying a more competitive based model. And I just kind of leave people like that alone and just like, I'm like patient. I'm like, I hope they, like, I hope we can be friends someday. Like, no hard feelings. Like, I'm not, I'm not vibing, you know? But I think that it's just like, it's a key code. And I remember learning this back in different iterations, like when I was on the writing website, when I was 12 and like really wanted people to read my writing, I really wanted attention and I wanted validation. And it was so like just raw and pure because I was a kid and I wasn't even like thinking about 
the desire for validation as something to question. I just like so purely wanted it. And I realized that if I read other people's writing and left them comments and engaged other people's creativity, that people would reciprocate. And then instead of just reading other people's writing to get something, my heart actually opened and I became genuinely interested. And similar things have happened with my astrology practice of just... Um, there is a practical side to networking of being interested in other people, but then the actual like essence of doing that is heart opening. And then there's that additive mutual experience um, that's possible. And I wonder, you know, some industries, some institutions might be more cutthroat inherently and harder to access that kind of mutual goodwill between people in the same field but something um, I feel like in the astrology community, it's been very easy to form friendships with colleagues and friendships with people of other fields that, you know, or other business people in my local area, for example, and just to like create that like exchange of value. And there's something too about, you know, if someone's, not currently having that experience, like bringing the value within forth in terms of like letting that, you know, engaging the life's work or engaging what they love to do so that they're bringing that medallion or that pentacle to the party, so to say. Mm, Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that's reflected in the card as well in terms of um, how one can watch from afar like and then be provoked into openness into sharing or to smugness or to a a removed quality and like just hoarding for oneself right and and um it's yeah there's so much about self-worth there as tied to the historical conditions of which communities and rich resources and who gets the opportunities and who gets seen and such but Thankfully, yes, to social media and to these increasing opportunities to connect and cultivate our talents and like stay in the kitchen and like, or you know what I mean? Or keep writing, like keep refining that craft, like the 10 of pentacles, like both of these cards come before, um, you know, the equinox points, like these, the air before Aries and Libra season, like this Pisces and Virgo here. So there's really, uh, it's, it's real closing of a cycle right before starting a new one, right? Um, rising into spring or falling into winter and like the underworld journey. And we definitely see that in the Ten of Pentacles with that elderly grade, you know, more Saturnian kind of Capricorn figure, even though it's Virgo, in that it's like a long, um, it's not easy come this sense of self-worth or like communal self-worth. Like this is a generational long project in terms of leaving a legacy as well, you know, and I think like being inspired to work and build community that has something to leave behind that others can open up into. Like this card has also appeared to me as um, like in a library, like in the Akashic records kind of sense. I don't really work with the Akashic records like that, but it did key into me in that way where it's this library and it's just this beautiful documentation of like, like, I think I was talking to you even like we had our uh, conversation about this, but um, like the book of Sabrina, <laughs> you know, or like the book of Chris, like what will pe- people will be able to look upon our work and then glean all this information and like respect them as their own bodies of work, but still housed within this larger um, 
you know, especially a library, which is about public access to information and increasing literacy. And it's just like such an equitable democratic space, like this collective movement towards progress and towards knowing and gnosis. And it's like, we all have our own place on the shelf as well, you know? Um, yeah. So in thinking about, you know, this lunation and we have like, you know, I've been really connecting with um, bringing the tarot and decanic associations and thanks to you, this like tarot, like, I feel like you just passed a, a candle or like lit mine, you know? And so now this process of deepening into the tarot has taken on a momentum in life of its own. And it was greatly sparked and catalyzed in your class. Um, I've been bringing in the tarot cards with the lunations and kind of adding in this layer where it's not just the sun in Pisces that's illuminating a full Virgo moon, but it's also a 10 of cups moment that's illuminating 10 of pentacles. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts about what it looks like to kind of see um, what's the experience of the 10 of cups illuminating a full 10 of pentacles experience. Mm-hmm. That makes it a Mercury and Pisces moment. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. A Mercury and Pisces. Absolutely. I'm so in the, in the Pisces Mercury of it all. Um, yes. And I just, well, I also just love that language and I love, like I'm honored and was very excited to see you start adding the tarot associations to your delineations. Cause they were, they were already so, I mean, they've already been so illuminating and so activating and like revelatory. And so it also, um, you know, I just, I love the tarot. I'm always just like inviting the tarot to to be a channel for the tarot, like flow through me. But anyhow, um, I think it's, I feel like there's a real awareness of sort of a proper ordering in a sense as well with the 10 of cups in that what we're embracing, what they're praising, what they're uplifting is not, I mean, is, is there safety? Is there, is all of these immaterial things, right? Like they're like anchoring into the soul, which is the whole journey of the cups, like, or the, you know, the Pisces decans as well. Like, are you going to go and ask that genie? And it's like in Aladdin, you know, he goes into the cave, into the Pisces moon and they're like, just don't touch that. Like, don't, don't get tempted and take the rich, like don't dis, this, the quality of discernment here is I think what is being illuminated in terms of what we value. And are we going to be tricked in grabbing this circumstantial, object, right. That may lose value with the passing of time. And then everything starts crumbling like the tower because it's like, Oh, okay, well you have some more soul growth to do. Right. Or are you going to instead like dwell upon this immaterial place and anchor into this sense of self-worth that is, that is again, unconditional and about one's own spiritual practice and one's community and like the just gratitude for your body and for your soul and like your own spiritual growth that then emanates outward and like becomes material. And so I think of it as like nourishing, like the sun being able to water the roots of our soul and all of our soul spiritual work that then is reflected and can be seen like <laughs> as a saving grace. Cause sometimes it is hard to have patience and to wait for the, um, the external validation of all of the interior work we've been doing. But like that Virgo full moon being able to like look around and like, oh my gosh, God is in this and God is in this concrete thing. And God is over here and in this relationship and that relationship and just being able to really recognize the way that like God is the source of it all, you know, in these material, in the fruit of God in that way. Um, 
Yeah. What about you? That's so beautiful. I love that you brought in that Aladdin image of like reaching for that one jewel and the cake, the crumbling and that sense of, um, yeah, disillusionment, uh, dissolving crisis that can happen from lack of discernment or, you know, going for this like shiny and compelling thing. Um, and how it's interesting. I feel like at sometimes at a soul level, we, we call in that crisis. Like I've been thinking about Virgo and crisis and like the full moon in Virgo and just like why, um, why people like crisis, like when we're responsible for creating it. And I feel like there's a difference between, um, a state of avoidance or neglect where we're participating in the accumulation of crisis and just being like, Oh no, I don't want to deal with this. And it just gets more and more intense versus when we are struck by a crisis that we didn't have the purview or maturity to prevent. And then when the crisis shows up, it's like a spiritual moment, a checkpoint to be like, wait a minute, why am I in this situation? And from that place to take accountability for the spiritual growth and then the practical realignments to change the situation. Um, and so I was thinking about that as maybe a more like what could be the more challenging part of this lunation, but also the gift, you know, like I had a um, speaking of like 10 of pentacles, like my my mom organized this trip some years back to go meet some of our relatives in New York city that we'd never met before. And I got to meet this like multi-generational group of people that had like similar mannerisms to my family members. And I'd never met them before. And it was so fascinating to just like see my tree, you know? And one of, um, one of my family members sees the freaking blue lights. (laughs) I've never met any other person in my family that sees the blue lights and she like practices Kundalini yoga. I was just like beyond myself with happiness and excitement to meet her. And then her husband um, said something about like, you know, never underestimate a crisis. Like crisis is an opportunity for change. Like um, I forget the exact context of how that conversation came up, but it really struck me. It's like, I have Jupiter in Virgo. And I think that, um, often, you know, on my platform, I share a lot of wisdom. I share like things that I've gained from experience, but in the raw moments, like I do have crisis situations that come up in my life and it's gotten to a point where I don't add extra sensationalism to them. I'm just like, wow, like the melodrama, the epic drama, like what the fuck? And like getting into the symbolism and figuring out, you know, why, why this is happening and how I can change the situation. And it becomes part of my soul growth. And it even can be a 10 of cups experience in the crisis. Like, and so there's been a way that I've kind of related to Pisces and Virgo about, you know, not perpetuating unnecessary suffering, like having the hygiene or the alignment practices with Virgo to be more mindful and conscientious and to create a more lush life for myself. But when crisis happens anyway, because we learn through, you know, like fumbling through and like readjusting that sometimes those moments are actually so beautiful. Like they're cinematic even. And 
there's a numinous quality to them. Um, and then on the positive end where it's not, you know, we're not feeling like everything's a mess and there's some flashpoint Virgo crisis moment. And it's more of like a angel singing in a freshly cleaned space kind of moment <laughs> of like feeling the pride and feeling the self-esteem and feeling the swell of like Piscean sensation of um, the work that we've done in our lives. like personal development I'm such a proponent of I love it so much and it's really amazing to be in situations where I know that five years ago I would have like how would I've even held this I would have freaked out I would have gone off the deep end you know and here I am like holding this um or here I am having a really uh clear and meaningful conversation and like cleaning up a something in relationship instead of it turning into an avalanche of unsaid things and some crisis later down the road. Like we just nipped this in the bud and cleaned it up and got on the same page. Wow. Like what a miracle, you know, and just like feeling into the, the harvest of like what it means to live devotionally and live reverently and have that relationship with inspiration Pisces and apply it to the, to our lives and all of these minute, and very craft conscientious ways that we see in Virgo. That is accumulative as well as you're saying, like, I think like all of it, I was saying even last night, like my life is preparing me for my life. Like I just see it folding into itself, like consistent, like I'm like, Oh, like that's, I'm just, Oh, I just like, there's these moments of revelation where I see, yes, those crises and the skills that were developed in, in response. And then also just like the, the strength and the sacrifice to heal and to have a life of value continue growing like that, continue paying off in bigger um, harvests, if you will. Like, you know, I was like, Oh, it'd be maybe a, this thing that I value here, but it keeps getting bigger. And I think what you're speaking to as well is the other face of Virgo in the tarot, which is the hermit. And I feel like it's like a, such a nice bridge between the cards as well. I mean, the crises, the tower, right. And the disorient, disorient, disorienting <laughs> of the moon. Um, but the hermit and like, again, the hermit being like a parent of the 10 of pentacles is what you said, like the, the harvest of our striving for personal development and our growth being able to, to be harvested. I think about like, <laughs> just being a hole for God. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, it's open field. like, fill me, like pour your water down on every one of my holes, like make new holes for me, like plant new seeds in me, like wherever, like sprout all over my body. You know what I mean? And I think like when you really <laughs> let yourself be penetrated by God, in order to be planted by God, eventually you're going to bear fruit. And that's you know? like my dream life. That is like the big, like, kinky like 10 of cups <laughs> mars and pisces like like please penetrate me god like yeah. please god please <laughs> sow me please reap and harvest me like please taste my fruit you know what i mean like please give me give me let me bear fruit from you and i feel that that's what um may be illuminated in terms of like how far our seeking has led us and like what um is a is a byproduct of it, like it not being the end goal. Like I didn't go in like, Oh, I want these riches or I want like this. I mean, yes, material circuit, like, of course we want safety and like, you know, all of the security of the 10 of pentacles, like definitely, but we won't be able to access that as you were describing, um, 
we won't be able to fully receive it and be embodied in it. We could only hold it in a smug manner if we don't discern the proper like light leading us forward and it not being the shimmer of like some gilded surface, but instead like our own hermit's lantern of like God, like the way that we just carry God forth through the, like it's going to keep guiding you forward. And it's like, you know what, you may have this big income windfall blessing, amazing. And then maybe the path is going to take you even beyond that into something that will take fear and trust or that will take trust, right. That might be like, who knows, but the anchoring again of like, or holding your own lantern, just, it, it just yields all of these again, like byproducts of just fruitfulness, Virgo, like, um, again, that I hope to be illuminated. I hope everyone has this sense of illumination around like how they've been seeking and what has been a byproduct of that and are inspired to like, keep going, like, don't stop there. Like there's, you're still alive. Like keep, keep sowing, keep being sowed, you know, keep being planted. <laughs> I love this, um, this humility and receptivity piece where it's like really appreciating and truly like, instead of feeling entitled, um, being so like in relationship with desire and like how we want to be nourished. Cause it's not like being self-denying, but on the other hand, like not, I feel like the energy of like entitlement or smugness it doesn't allow full receptivity and enjoyment of the thing, even if one still manages to receive it in that state. Um, and then to kind of like relax into this state of the kind of just like awe or like truly being inspired by what we have or like what is coming our way creates space for this like deeper level of intimacy with the material. Um, and it's interesting. It's just such an interesting energetic, like Virgo relates to alignment and alignment means that we fall out of alignment and come back to a state of alignment. So we experience like error and come back or like we get, we get kind of funky or we get like off in terms of our relationship to something. And then we come back. Um, and I think that when it comes to say like, this relationship with the divine and like God's will and personal will and the ways that sometimes we stray and like forget the relationship that we have with source because we get attracted to that red jewel in the cave that we just want to have, you know, and fuck all whatever like is in the way of that. Then, you know, we get washed offshore somewhere and then we have the opportunity to come back. Um, and I think just finding that like, um, you know, I, I can feel that like one of the ways that this has really touched me recently was when I started to, I was having anxiety about things and going to divination and like kept receiving the message from divination and the I Ching of like, stop trying to get life to feed you. Like you are a giver, like you don't have to take, like come back to your state of generativity and, you know, don't like come back to yourself and then go into relationship. And so I kind of readjusted and then the experiences I was having were so much more fulfilling than when I was in that state of need and like wanting to be fed. Um, mm -hmm. So. Uh, yeah, that like, it's, well, I think of like when, 
this is often my prayer is just the willingness and the bravery to give myself completely over to God, like to get again, getting out of my own way and just aligning with just completely giving myself over. And I think of like that 10 of pentacles and, and then I'm able to receive in like the infinite way that like God will receive, like in that knowing I've given myself over knowing the sacrifice and the trust that that takes and like the courage it takes. And it's, I'm not, you know, trying, I, it's, it's really humbling to do so. And so I think of that 10 of pentacles is like this old man who's probably like, you know what? Like I am dying. Like I, to live a life of value, it's not about hoarding the the money in the bank account, but yet I got to do something with this. And I think about that young couple who's maybe just like on their way up or, you know, they're, they're in that state of union. Like they know what that state of union is being able to receive this windfall and like to really, and it not being like a question of like, Oh, am I worth, can I receive this? Like, am I worthy enough for this? And it's just like this moment where the inheritance kicks in, you know, and you're like, okay, God, I see you like all the trust, you know, you told me and, and here it is. And you had sort of mentioned earlier as well, like the, um, our love is as big or small as the object of our love, you know? And so then to fixate it on a jewel or in a Ruby or in a clothes, a clothes piece of clothing or whatever, you know, versus like the infinite horizon of God and just all of the, like all of it is possible. You know, all of it you can receive if you just give yourself over completely. And I think it's, a, I think, I mean, it is Marshall in that sense. You know, I do think it is, <laughs> um, it's a path of courage and a path of um, bravery to do so. Hmm. This, yeah, this has me thinking of like some of the ways that speaking divinatory languages, speaking astrology, speaking tarot allows um, any moment to be infused with symbolic meaning and then wash me with this sense of awe where like, because of the significations of events and how they correlate the symbolism, I can feel the language of God or like the, um, the music of God, if you will, like in my daily mundane life. And so I feel at once in celebration of all these small details and like loving them and receiving them, but they're like backlit by this like ethereal sublime glow. And it's just this constant 10 of cups experience well i hear yes ten of cups but i'm also like wow what a read like that was such a great articulation of the ten of cup of the ten of pentacles as well because they're like in the material but like if you can connect the dots between the coins you're seeing like you said the back like glow of like the tree of life like it it's all connection to spirit and to source and that's like wow i just love that i love wow i love that um that's amazing Thank you so much for dropping in with me about these cards and about the lunation. For people that are interested in going deeper into the tarot, can you tell us more about the threshold? Yes, it is open for enrollment, my comprehensive tarot course. Um, I've just sort of shortened the title to thresholds, you know, the threshold, thresholds, it, it all works. Um, which is like an 11 week about, you know, Three month container where we meet, where we where we meet weekly, um, going over a unique sort of arrangement of the cards numerically. So we're sort of looking at all the aces one week, all of the twos one week, going along with like the major correspondences and the minor correspondences, like all in one. So you're getting um, 
it comprehensive. You're seeing this energy emanate through each of the directions and it builds upon itself. There's recorded material, the lectures and, and workbooks provided. And then we really have like the in-depth communal building and coming to voice with the cards in the live classes. And it's such a 10 of pentacles, 10 of cups experience and moment. Like it's such an open armed welcome and invitation to people who uh, maybe who have had poor educational experiences or felt like they didn't have anything to offer and are seeking some, some book, right. As the tarot is to remind themselves of their own self-worth, but also be affirmed within the space of community um, to be able to read the cards in a very expansive manner that like brings in critical thinking in terms of decolonizing and like how developing a practice, like a real tarot practice. Like this is not a course where you're just going to learn memorization and like being able to spout this off and then have this like disembodied reading thing. Like it's really about building a divinatory relationship with source through tarot. Like tarot is like the form we're giving it. Um, you know, I invite you into my course. I invite you into my space. Uh, I'm working on a lot of projects right now. I have also seeker sessions, which is more of a, um, more spacious commitment, if you will, we will meet monthly and sort of live with the cars. And it's for people who perhaps already have an established divinatory relationship. And we can do, it's sort of like an, um, iteration of the live classes where we'll look at special topics and pull spread, pull cards, do spreads together and just keep the community. Um, and then just other sort of, you know, workshops, standalone lectures that I have up on my site, but the course is open and it's like definitely my most comprehensive offering. It's the most access to me. Um, and it's, it just gets better each time. It's also one of those 10 of pentacles moments where I'm just it's like each go run is as at like, it's like a cast iron, you know, the more seasoning from everyone just adds to the, the next. <laughs> the yeah, next I really believe in like the morphic field of the students too, where it's like people have gone through the course material. And so then new students come in and the information clicks faster because you've already had people in the space who've learned it. And like that memory is stored in the universe. And yeah. The, the cast iron of the universe. I love that. I love, I love that. <laughs> that is our 10 of pentacles, 10 of cups. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> the invisible field of seasoning. <laughs> that is so real. Like honestly. Um, really, truly. Well, you're an amazing teacher. Um, it's an amazing program, so I can't recommend it highly enough. And how can people find you on social media too? Um, I am at Red Read. Uh, red like underscore underscore read on Instagram, um, theredread.com. It was the red read on Instagram, but people were like mispronouncing it and things and didn't like, you know, couldn't see it visually. Um, and like the red read on Twitter with like the underscores on the back, like at the, at the back end of it. Um, but yeah, those are pretty much where I'm most active. I do a lot of, I'm doing a lot of just course building. And so a lot of it is like, I'm working a lot behind the scenes right now, but I'm still, I still post dailies and just like keep the updates um, on my newsletter, on my website, and like primarily on Instagram. Yeah. yeah, I have to say too, like in Ten of Cups style, like I feel like there were multiple years where I really did want to learn more about the tarot and I was just waiting for like the right educational opportunity. And did it rain <laughs> like when it came through? <laughs> 
Because, <laughs> you know, I can feel that where it's like I knew I wanted this like experience of um of feeling that like personal connection or personal relationship come through, not the memorization kind of thing. And it's just so cool, like that we've had this like really generative, mutually enhancing friendship and like creative collaboration together being these like diviners and teachers and it's just been it's been such a blessing and such a like ten of cups experience that you know I wouldn't have necessarily imagined but I knew when I was a kid I was like I want to collaborate with people and put my work out into the world so that I can meet the people that I need to meet and here we are and I'm so grateful for every magical moment of it my, I, I am so grateful for, for you and your invitation and your generosity in that very Ten of Pentacles way. Um, I feel inspired by the beacon in which I, like, I feel like you radiate that. Well, I mean, you live that Ten of Cups life, you know what I mean? Like you're radiating it out. And then to see the fruit of it in the Ten of Pentacles manner was like also a way that I felt called to continue stepping up if you know, in a sense and, um, receive in not this smug, like watching from the sidelines, like energy. Instead, I was like really touched by your just open arm sort of invitation and like the fruitfulness of our relationship and friendship and student teacher collaborator, collaborator back and forthness. And so thank you so much for having me on again. I love it. <laughs> My heart. I'm like overwhelmed. <laughs> All in good Pisces season, like <laughs> just expand the vessel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for sharing your gnosis with us. I really enjoyed this. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you.